From the life tree we go, to the life tree we shall one day return. Odin, circa 75,000 B.C. Hello and welcome to Visions of the Past. My name is Andrew and I'm the host of this Assassin's Creed lore podcast. This is episode 62 and today we're going to talk about the Yggdrasil device. Most of you might have already heard of Yggdrasil and have an idea of what it was. But before we get into the device in Assassin's Creed, we need to take a look at the inspiration behind the device. Within Norse mythology and cosmology, Yggdrasil is a sacred ash tree that everything exists around. The branches of Yggdrasil run through the nine realms, and it is supported by three large roots. These roots run into two large wells and a spring. Every day the Aesir went to Yggdrasil to have their government meetings, and within the tree lived numerous animals, like the dragon Nihagr, numerous stags, an unnamed eagle, the squirrel Ratatoskr, along with many others. Within Assassin's Creed, Yggdrasil is only shown within Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and because of this, we will be going into heavy spoilers for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Within the main story of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we first see the Yggdrasil device in 877, when Sigurd Stryburnson and Eivor Varen's daughter descended into an Isu vault in Norway, after Sigurd spoke a passphrase in the long-dead Isu language. The pair found a central activation sphere just past armatures that hung in the central chamber. Sigurd explained that when activated, the arms would grant them access to the refuge of Valhalla. After activating the device, the two went to its center, where two of the arms reached down and attached to their spines, lifting them into the air. After a seemingly painful experience, uh, their bodies fell asleep and they woke up in their interpretation of Valhalla. While walking through a feast, a few warriors called out to Eivor, calling her Havi, and once she met back up with Sigurd, she was met by Svala, the mother of the seer Valka. When Eivor spoke to the pair, they both referred to her as Eivor, but Svala referred to Sigurd as Tyr, and Sigurd referred to Svala as Freya. During this conversation, Eivor noticed that Sigurd had a better mindset, and that his arm had grown back. But the conversation was cut short when a horn rang out, and the hall cleared to fight a battle outside the gates. During the battle, Eivor finds that her strength is increased and ends up having a battle with Sigurd that she wins by cutting off his arm. After this, the world went white, and she woke up in her bed, repeating the previous walk through the Great Hall. Talking to Sigurd, she found that his arm had grown back like Sigurd knew it would, and the bell rang again, signaling another battle. At the end of this one, though, Eivor finds Sigurd already without his arm, but during their conversation, she saw her father Varen behind Sigurd. When she tried to speak to him, the world went white again, and she started back in her bed. After a brief conversation about how Varen died a coward and shouldn't be in Valhalla, the battle horn rang, and off they went. Again, Eivor found Sigurd with his arm missing. This time, she found what she thought was her father again, but it was actually a different man. And when she turned around, she took an arrow in the same eye that Odin was missing when she had various visions of him. Again, it started over, with all the wounds recovered, but before she left her bed, Sigurd showed up with Varen. After a brief conversation, Eivor threw a knife, killing her father, saying it was a lie because he should not be in Valhalla for dying a coward. Sigurd responded that it wasn't a lie, and that he can do as he pleases, and bringing him to Valhalla was a gift for her. After Varen's body disappeared, 
Sigurd went to the daily battle, but Eivor hung back, trying to understand what was going on and how people got there. Asking this to Svala, she is told that only the Valkyries know, and not to despair, as everyone she loves is there. Turning around, she sees everyone from her home. Eivor knew without a doubt that things here were not real and that they were living a lie. After discussing why one would want to live like this, Eivor decides that it's not for her and leaves to find Sigurd in the battlefield to try to convince him to leave. After doing this, a vision of Odin appears and refuses to let her go. Eivor fainted and woke up in a world that looks much like what she saw when she killed her major enemies and spoke with them in Odin. After discussing Eivor's life, Eivor tried to leave, but Odin stopped her, stating that all she was was because of him, and that even with everything she believes in being before her, she questions everything, even her gods. A battle ensued after this with Eivor constantly stating that it wasn't real, that it was just a dream, and Odin replied with that a dream is just as real as anything else in the world. The fight continued until Eivor dropped her axe, and ran to a big golden door where Sigurd was standing. As Odin tried to hold her back, Eivor cut him with her hidden blade and leaves, embraced by her family and the other residents of Ravensthorpe. Awakening from the machine, she dropped from the arm and found that Basim had followed her and Sigurd and was holding Sigurd hostage. A fight ensued that ended with Eivor and Sigurd trapping him on the armature of the device. Here, Basim sat for almost 1,200 years until 2020, when Leila Hassan arrived to the temple and entered the machine through another amateur. After waking up and seeing a distorted version of the Valhalla that Eivor saw, she is met with Basim. During their conversation, he explained that he was the one that guided her to find Eivor and the device, and that he has read calculations with the reader and that the Isu tech works much like the internet. Showing her the activation pedestal of the machine, he stated that another catastrophe of time is close at hand and that this node has an ugly way of correcting itself. When Layla touched the activation pedestal, Basim was released from the device, and she went on to meet the reader. Layla spoke to the reader about how he's been reading calculations within the grave for much of his time there, telling Layla that from this point, the millions upon millions of timelines that he read all end with a catastrophe. Layla suggests going back to when Desmond saved the world in 2012, and looking through the timelines if he had chosen to let the world be destroyed. Thinking that it's possible that someone in one of those billions of timelines might have found a way to stop the solar flare from ever happening again. Layla then decides to stay and help the reader, but the radiation in the main room ends up killing her body as she starts reading the calculations. The main story of Assassin's Creed Valhalla is not the only place where we get information about the Yggdrasil device, though. There is information within the Animus Anomalies, and there is even some information within the mythical story arc within Jotunheim that I want to talk about before fully breaking down the device. After moving to England in 872, but before setting eyes on the Yggdrasil device herself, Eivor Varen's daughter drank a potion that was prepared by the seer Valka in order to gain insight into a vision that she had while she lived in Norway. This potion put her into a deep sleep where she woke up as Javi on the throne in Heimdall's tower. After a brief conversation about his fate with Verdandi, Skald, and Uder, the three sisters who choose the fate for everyone, claiming he was above their words as the High One, 
he left the tower to plan defense of Asgard from Jotun warriors, with Tyr, Thor, and Freya. Javi decides to take the defense on the far side of the Bifrost. The details of what happens after this will be covered in a later podcast, as it's not important for the Yggdrasil device itself. But eventually, Javi does decide that he needs to go to Jotunheim to understand their magic. In Jotunheim, Javi searches for Angrabata and finds her in her home in the Iron Wood, having a conversation with Hirokin about Hirokin's experiments on Earth. Interrupting this conversation, Javi is informed that what he searches for is called the Mead. Eventually, Hirokin tells Javi that the Mead is located in the cellar of Suttinger, and that the vault is only opened on an occasion of a great feast, and that he must get Suttinger to throw a feast for him to get the Mead. In exchange for this information, Hirokin demands a portion of the Mead. Javi does get Suttinger to throw a feast big enough to let him open the vaults. But, as Javi's gift to Suttinger to throw this feast was a magically filling cauldron, Javi had to convince the Jotunar to drain the cauldron. He did succeed, and Suttinger had his daughter Galonder open the vault and have the slaves bring up more mead. Javi followed Galonder to the vault, and when asked what he was doing, Javi gave her Thor's bridal circlet and seduced her. While she slept, Javi stole a flask of mead, but when he left, he ran into Suttinger, who was told of Javi's intent by Loki, and a battle ensued. After the fight, Javi told Suttinger that he took the mead for the safety of the Aesir and the Vanir, to which Suttinger responded that he'd changed many fates with the mead, but not his own. Once Javi made it inside Mimir's well with the mead, he met with Hirokin, and asked what he was to do with the mead. Hirokin tells him that he is only to drink it the hour before his death, as his huger would take flight and be forever fixed. Confused, Javi asks why they're at Mimir's well, and Mimir's head stated that even after Ragnarok has come and gone, the well will remain and remember. Asking for counsel of the wise Mimir, a conversation between the three ensued, where Javi found out that the water of the well is needed to get the mead into its final form, but before he could take any of the water, it needed to be infused with the blood of the Aesir. The blood was said to be needed by Mimir, because to remember you, it must know you. When asked what it would do to the humans of Midgard, Mimir does admit that humans will be forever altered, but exactly how, no one knows. Hirokin tells Javi that this is what the others feared, but they care too much for the humans. After one final time of what happens after making a sacrifice, Mimir told Javi that while the world burned, the world tree would keep him. His body will die, but his huger will live on. In time, born anew, in a world built from the ashes of the old one. Javi asked if there was no other way, and Hirukin vouches for the process, saying that there is one she loves deeply that depends on it. Asking one more time if there was no other choice, and receiving an affirmative, Javi plucked out his left eye, crushed it, and dropped it into the well. The well lit up, and Javi took some water from it. Mimir then confirmed the sacrifice, stating that whomever shall drink the mead, the world tree would remember them. Before leaving Jotunheim, Javi asks Hirokin what her sacrifice was. She responds with liberty, explaining that Sutinger and Galander would hunt her now for what has happened to the end of the Nine Realms. Seeing that the three are connected, 
Javi asked how they were connected, to which Rokin replied that they ruled together as a triad, as father, mother, and the sacred voice. That together they tried to stop Ragnarok six times, and failed each time the Mede was their seventh attempt. But Suttinger and Galander feared that it might change the humans for the worse, so they locked it away and banished her from Uregard, and that by Javi's efforts she now had the ashes of her husband, as she had made his own sacrifice for knowledge, and that with a few changes to the mead might undo old sorrows. Eventually Javi returned to his throne in Heimdall's tower, and was visited again by the Nornir, Redandi, Skuld, and Erder this time to show him a vision of what is to come, calling him arrogant for trying to change his fate, but that he's still bound to his fate, though there is one thread that escapes the pattern. Stating that doom will come for the Aesir and the Vanir, that the earth will quake and the sun will die, the vision shows Javi and those closest to him drinking the mead while sitting around a table with a tree growing through it. Skuld then tells him that their mind and spirit will surge to a time beyond where they will be reborn. The vision then has Javi stating that none may follow, Loki least of all. The group then rose from their tables and headed out of the room with the exit on fire and weapons in hand. To finish looking at the history of the Yggdrasil device, I think it's important to also look at the hidden truth from the Animus Anomalies. After getting all ten anomalies complete, we're treated to a short video of Odin and other Aesir watching a video of the Great Catastrophe hitting the Earth after which they sit down in seats surrounding the Yggdrasil device. As the room starts to fall apart, workers put vials inside the chairs, and the Isu put on specialized masks. A needle comes out and takes some of their blood and puts it inside human embryos. When they come out, Odin claims that none may follow, least of all Loki, and has the others destroy their masks. The group of Thor, Odin, Tyr, and Freya leave the device with weapons in hand to face their doom. Loki stabs one of Odin's eight in the chest through his seat and then fights off the guards to take his seat at Yggdrasil, adding his DNA to the embryos and vowing to chase the Mad One past their doom. One of the things, though, that we have to realize when talking about the details that we have about the Yggdrasil device is that some of the information that we have is through the prism of Norse mythology. What this means is that not everything we saw in Jotunheim really happened the way we saw it. For instance, Angrabada is the Isu Aletheia, Hurokin, Juno, Sutinger, Jupiter, and Galander, Minerva. From what we're given on the device itself, it was developed from wanting to save the Isu from the Great Catastrophe. And after not finding a way to stop it, Juno used Odin to get the most important part of the device from Jupiter and Minerva. In doing this, Juno gave Odin the information on how to use the Yggdrasil device to place the DNA of his family into the human gene pool ripe for rebirth. It's difficult for me to tell if Odin's family went into Yggdrasil before Aida was transferred into the human gene pool or after, but it does feel that Juno used Odin and his family as a test to see how well it worked, because it feels like their rebirth is limited compared to Aida's. The reason I say this is because we've only seen the rebirth of Odin's family once, and we've seen Aida's numerous times within Assassin's Creed. Granting the Isu a rebirth isn't the only thing that this machine did, though. We did see that either the device itself or the temple it was housed in 
was what Desmond activated in 2012 to stop the second disaster. And it is a location to which someone can enter the gray and view calculations of time, as Layla did. Speaking of being a location that one entered into the gray, Yugisil also was a device that acted very similar to an animus, in that it allowed both Sigurd and Eivor to run through simulations of what they perceived to be as Valhalla. I do have some questions about the device, though. We only see a handful of simulations in it, Valhalla, the area that Eivor battled Odin, and what I'm calling the simulation room, where the reader, Desmond himself, ran calculations of the future. But can it do more than that? We saw Sigurd change a simulation as he wanted, for instance, bringing in Varen. Was that because he was Tyr reborn? I also have to ask how Basim survived for almost 1,200 years. I can understand how the device kept him alive so long, especially after Odyssey induced the staff of Hermes Tris Magistus. But did Svala get the same treatment? Could she drop from Yggdrasil like Basim did and heal herself with the staff or a Shroud of Eden? I also want to ask how Basim survived all of the radiation that was in the chamber on only Yggdrasil, and Layla could not. Did his body adapt to it as it came in slowly and Layla's couldn't because of its concentration at the time when she entered? Or was it because he was Loki reborn? After the device's introduction, I'm also more curious about the sage process and about the process of one transferring their consciousness into a piece of Eden. Is there more Isu trapped in pieces of Eden or in the human gene pool that we don't know about? Is there a limit to how many times you can be reincarnated, or does the exact process make a difference? I know that it's unlikely that a lot of the questions I have will end up being answered in the future, but that's part of the interest that I have within Assassin's Creed, the mystery of the Isu. I know there are a lot of details from the mythic arcs and the animus anomalies that I skipped, but I did so as they do not directly involve the Yggdrasil device but I will cover them more in depth in a later podcast. But until then, let me know your thoughts on the Yggdrasil device or questions that you have on it in the comments or in a review. And thank you for joining me today. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. If you love the Visions of the Past podcast, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. If you have any questions about Assassin's Creed or topics that you'd like me to cover, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at visions underscore AC. And you can find those links in the show notes below. Until next time, my assassin friends, make sure to follow the creed. And to those Templars listening, may the Father of Understanding guide you.